Conversations with Catholic Voices. Tackling the tough questions with Daniel Noor and Catholic Voices Australia. Hello, Cradio listeners. My name is Daniel Noor, and when I entered the Catholic Church on September the 21st, 2011, I brought all of my confusion, anxiety, and uncertainty right in with me. As a young journalist searching for the truth, I'll be interviewing a spokesperson of Catholic Voices a nationwide media representative of the church every week. I invite you to join me and to have your questions about today's hot topics answered as well. This is Conversations with Catholic Voices. Today our guest is Danielle Lupi. Danielle, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Daniel. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Would you tell uh, listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. um, I'm from Melbourne and I'm married with three wonderful children. Uh, I was a teacher for a long time and an actor. Uh, but now I work for Catholic Voices. Right. Well, uh, our discussion today, our topic um, for which uh, I'm sure you know you have kind of an ample preparation is masculinity. Uh, what <laughs> makes a man? <laughs> what makes a man? What is a man in a nutshell? Uh, dealing with all of those. Do you have any? Are they all boys? Are your sons? Uh, are you dealing with sons or daughters? I've got two girls and one boy. Yes, all right. And then, of course, there's the husband. Well, yep. Danielle, let's start, I suppose, at the beginning. What is masculinity in a nutshell? Well, masculinity, if you look at attributes and behaviours and roles generally um, associated with boys and men, you can say that, generally speaking, although every person is a mystery and every person is a unique creation, um, but over many millennia, looking at uh, masculinity or looking at boys and men, we can see that there's common attributes or behaviours attributed to them. So, for example, things like men tend to be, you know, real protectors, uh, real providers. Uh, they tend to be very strong and courageous. And the man tends to orientate or, you know, sort of seek out, you know, go out for action and and, um, and have decision-making. They tend to think their way through life. Mm embracing concepts and facts and theories and that sort of thing. Um, And the man tends to really reason with his intelligence using more facts and logical arguments, um, you know, as compared to a woman, let's say. Mm. But again, we can't really pigeonhole, but generally speaking, these are the attributes that, that are, you know, tend to go towards masculinity. Right. And you say we can't pigeonhole. I think that's uh, maybe particularly apt when we look at society today, Danielle, where yeah. women increasingly work and men stay at home to raise the children. Aren't traditional gender norms a bit modish and uh, maybe even kind of outdated? Well, I think you you raise a really good point. I think in society, uh, yes, we are seeing more men staying home, but you know, majority of women do actually stay home and and rear the children. And just like as I said, that many men have particular qualities women also have particular qualities women tend to be more nurturing tend to be you know more uh, receiving and listening tend to make decisions more on their emotions and so forth tend to be you know more multitasking so these wonderful differences in men and women when they're joined together in husband and wife those differences can actually really complement one another and when we really embrace those differences and use them to our best advantage, we can actually, you know, create this amazing life of, of happiness and peace you know, and, and unity. Mm. So I think those um, gender norms, what, what you're saying, I don't think, you know, the differences in men and women uh, will ever be outdated. I think that there's something that we can really celebrate 
and something that we can really look towards the other and not see them as as you know an object to compete or or you know someone to dominate or um, see them as a threat, but actually really rejoice you know that these differences in men and women um, really make us when we when we join as one really make us a dynamic force you know really make us a dynamic person mm. um, so yeah I don't think they'll ever be outdated I don't want them to be <laughs> right and so there is a kind of um, complementarity perhaps that we see at work between the two sexes uh, Danielle even so isn't you know, relationship all about compromise. And with the pressures to, you know, have a dual income and to raise families, as well as for, you know, people to go out and to see to their own careers, I wonder, could it not actually be kind of detrimental to presume that actually the man, um, you know, will always be the one to go out and gain an income because more and more that is not happening and perhaps that's a cause for, you know, insecurities and tension in the marriage. Is it always the case that these presumptions about masculinity are helpful? Mm. Do you, you raise some really great points. I think firstly the thing to really remember is um, I think when, when man and, and woman come together um, as one, if, like, if we're talking about marriage uh, in this case, um, I think we're, the best marriages that we see today are where um, they look at each other and see each other's strengths and work with those strengths. So in some cases it might be better or it might be you know, better for that relationship for the woman to go out to work and the man to stay home. And really only that couple can decide that, you know. Um, but I, I think what you're saying is, you know, do we still have in our society this, um, uh, you know, presumption that the man will go out and the woman will stay at home? Mm, yes. I don't know. I just think that I think it's it's never good for a marriage to never, you know, rejoice in the differences of the sexes. And so if there is this... Um, sort of restriction in the marriage or if there's this uh, over, you know, uh, powering or controlling, then that's never going to be a healthy marriage. Mm. But I think what's important in a good relationship is to see and draw from each other's strengths. And I believe, you know, being being a mum at home, that I'm better suited to be the one that stays home. Mm. And my husband, Mark, who, you know, ha- has better qualifications than me, is better, therefore, to be the provider. And also just his um, nature as well. Like he's more resilient, I think, dealing with different personalities in the workplace, you know, than I am and and dealing with the the different pressures sort of thing. Whereas I'm better in the home dealing with the pressures here and the multitasking and, you know, the constant serving and constant sacrificing of myself. Mm. So I think, again, in relationship, when you're drawing from each other's strengths, then, then there's, you know, this amazing thing that can happen in your relationship and not only in your own life and in family but I think for all society. Sure, sure. But, Danielle, I do think that you say all society benefits and I know quite, you know, I can feel it quite palpably mm-hmm. uh, just I can, I can hear the, the, the voices of women saying that these statements, if anything, set us back. There's this glass ceiling that 
many say continues to exist. And, you know, for all the um, improvements in social equality and kind of upward mobility for women in the workplace, there is still a threshold that they are finding it difficult to cross, a kind of upper management level, CEOs running large companies. Isn't talk of, you know, women are more naturally suited to the home very much a vestige of an old way of thinking? Oh, um, again, I feel that we always have to look at the individual person and what they're created to do mm. and to be. And I don't think that all women are created to be the one that stays at home. So I don't, I don't think that there's a blanket answer to this. I think that you need to look at the individual person and their gifts and their talents and their uniqueness and, you know, what they're called to do in life. Um, however, however, saying that, I do know of many women who would like to stay home mm. but who are feeling the pressure in the workplace um, and the fear of losing their advancement or their, their paycheck or, you know, trying to come back a year later or five years later and so forth. And so they have this incredible pressure placed upon them to, you know, to have to make a choice, you know, mm. um, and you know, to continue their, their work career, um, unfortunately their choice is often to stay in the workplace and not be at home or that that might not be their first choice. Um, you know, men obviously don't have uh, exactly that same pressure. But I think this is more of a societal thing that I think, you know, as governments making laws and, um, you know, and putting up that, that sort of scenario for for our families and so forth, I think that the governments really need to look at laws that actually support uh, families better and, you know, the work hours and the workplace and the demands and so forth. What about the effect of those demands and the new conditions in which society exists for the problems of the past? We saw, uh, very sadly, a silent but victimised proportion of women in abusive relationships and less able to discuss this perhaps in the say in the 50s i think of the um the the various plays by that um australian playwright playwright rather who wrote that play the club and yep. you see there in that one um you know a kind of uh, abusive i don't even want to say subculture but just an accepted um i don't know kind of violence toward women and i will just do some googling listeners and do forgive the typing but the club it's was david williams david Williamson. yeah that's right um so um, I, again so there is that so all i'm asking is uh, perhaps the blurring of gender roles and our society's increased openness has helped to curtail some of the dangers of those social conventions. And of course, domestic abuse still happens, and those statistics are still uh, very shocking. But is there not something about the increased visibility and vocality of women that has helped to curtail some of those dangers? Well, I think, you know, let me say on the outset that no woman, you know, should ever have to live um, this trauma, you know, to her life. And this unrest to her, you know, her peace and her quality of life, you know, to, to be abused in any way is, is just not on. And that's something, you know, as a society in Australia, we, we really need to look at. And as you point so rightly, so that, you know, there's so there's so many domestic um, violence cases in, in news lately in our courts and, 
you know, in the parliamentary inquiries uh, into it. So we can see that it's still prevalent, it's still happening, mm. even though gender roles, as you say, um, you know, are, are less, you know, defined, you know, with women staying in the workplace and men staying home, even though this is happening. So I, I would actually venture to say that it's not the gender roles that has caused this. Um, I think, you know, it's an attitude um, towards women and towards our fellow human being that have caused this. And that's actually what needs to change for us then to see the, the reduction and, you know, hopefully um, ceasing of all abuse, you know, especially towards women. So I think what we actually need to have is, is a change of, of view towards the other and, and seeing the other not as an object to possess or to control or to use, but instead, you know, as a as a human being with dignity and, and you know and deserving all respect and value. Mm. And I think um, unfortunately we've lived too long where men have you know been taught or been shown or been modelled um, this view of women as you know as an object. And you know we can see this in in pornography, we can see it in movies, we can see it in music. You know that women are something um, less value in, inferior. Um, and this is completely wrong. This is not the design of our of our Creator, of our God. Um, that men and women are equally of value and of, of dignity and respect, and therefore should be looking towards the other. It's not something to use or to possess. possess. Or to possess. Yeah, something to possess, but something to serve. You know, something to glorify, something to um, you know help to be the best person that they can be. You know, and that's what our call is as not only as men but also as women towards men. And Danielle, I think, yeah. To that end, women towards men and men looking to the other sex as well. Is there, in your opinion, a crisis in masculinity? Well, I think there is, and I, I think um, you know we can see. I, I think you know. Let me just finish by from that other point to say that I think the women's lib movement, which happened really in the you know in the sixties, you know, the, the, at the heart they had really good intentions. You know, to to liberate women and to allow women to, you know, really rise and, and be dignified human beings. I, I think, you know, that was at their heart. Mm. But instead of, um, you know, rising up and, and pointing out the, the great genius of femininity, the great wonder of being a woman, instead they tried to say that we're equal or the same as men. And I think this unfortunately has caused this confusion not only for women but um, also for men on what is a man and what, you know, and what is a woman and, and not, there's a, a crisis in, in femininity as well? I think so. I think that um, the both sexes, unfortunately, are still competing with one another and are still, you know, lusting for one another instead of actually, um, you know, celebrating our differences and then joining those differences together to make this amazing, you know, human race. Mm. And I think until we can really do that, you know, that, that's when we're going to see um, great change, you know, and, and safety and happiness, you know, and, and that's what the Catholic Church is really hoping and working towards. Yes. Um, but you were saying your question was there is, is there a... Um, crisis. Is a there crisis? a crisis in masculinity and the well, way that men see themselves and the way yeah. that men understand their role in yeah. society and in the family? Well, I think it's important, you know, and we know in our society that, you know, the Australian Bureau of Statistics' latest... Um, Statistics show that males account for more than three quarters of all offenders. So that's, you know, over 78%. Um, and, you know, that's four times more than, than females. And in prison, we have 92% are men that are in prison. 
and that was, you know, um, June 2013 result. Um, we can see that men, you know, tend to – David Popino um, has some wonderful literature and David Blackenhorn and um, other writers that, you know, with poor – Male rodling, male rodling, male, male rodling, rodling, if you will. (laughs) And, you know, we live in such a fatherless, unfortunately, society that, you know, men are just not raising their children, that we've seen, you know, increased criminality, increased juvenile delinquency, increased substance abuse, poor school performance, uh, premature sexuality, you know, out of um, wedlock births. We've seen more um, suicides and suicides attempts, more abuse and child abuse, um, more teen runaways. All of this has been happening with the lack of wonderful male role models showing the direction of, of, you know, of men and what they were created to be. And John Paul II really talks about, he says, that God assigns the dignity of every woman as a task to every man. That is the role of men, you know, to love and to serve and to uh, sacrifice, you know, to really use Jesus as their role model, to actually, um, you know, value and give dignity to women. And in return, women do that for men. So maybe there's more t- truth to this talk of behind every great man there's a, there's a great woman, uh, is, you know, than, than just a, 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 a kind of a cliché. Yeah, and, you know, St. Paul talks about, like, you know, women submit to men, and what he's saying is submit to their love of you. Submit to their service and their care and their protection of you. And when you submit to that, <coughs> you will actually return that love and submission back to your man. And so, you, again, you have this beautiful, you know, harmony between the sexes and that, and that's what, you know, we're created to be. I wonder if that harmony is I, – I, I, t- I tend to harp on about things, Daniel, but I, I wonder if that harmony is more the fodder of a Disney cartoon. You know? <laughs> Than it, than it is reality. And it's reality that produced, and this is a, a podcast that um, I, I did with um, Andrew Milne of Catholic Voices, which is that yeah. the, the Synod is responding to a crisis yeah. in the church's engagement with modern family and a rift, and there is a rift. And mm. I, I would just um, want to take stock of that. I have no question, you see, but I, I have a sense that, um, you know, that there is, I don't know, I need to, to live with compromise and a need to live with sacrifice. And there are, you know, bossy women and there are men who are pushovers and there are children who feel the tension of their parents less than perfect marriage. And, you know, that, that these are, um, realities that, you know, that we deal with. And there are, parents who don't communicate and fathers who are overbearing and mm. and and so I, I don't know I suppose that the the job of the church is to offer hope and offer um, dignity and a validity mm. to marriage even when it it doesn't feel perfect and I suppose this brings us to our next question is what is what is a good marriage does it involve mm. romance does it always need to feel romantic does what does it need in order for a marriage to work well, I think you're right. I think, you know, you're talking about this, you know, Disney glossy sort of view. But I think what the church's responsibility and the whole purpose of the church on earth is to, is to give a, a, you know, a light, is to give a hope and is to give a path that will ensure happiness. You know, yes, suffering we'll, we'll always have as part of this earth. 
but there is a hope and there's a way of happiness. And I think, unfortunately, our society has given a message to both men and women that is obviously not working. Mm. And you mentioned all the, the consequences and reproductions of that not working. You know, we have failed marriages. We have um, less than perfect relationships. You know, we have sadness. We have a lot of suffering and grief. Not to mention, you know, the divorce and the separations yeah. that result from that. And the divorce. And, you know, in, increased, um, you know, drug abuse and pornography and promiscuity and, and teenage pregnancies and abortion and all of that. And I, I think I even said in, in one of my interviews with you that I think what, what we're really needing is a conversion of love, a conversion of love for one another and a real healing between men and women. And that's what the church offers and that's what I was talking about. And if it sounds all Disney wishy-washy, well, you know, unfortunately that's because we're surrounded by so much muck. Mm. <laughs> That, that's why it looks so wishy-washy, but it's not. It is possible. And all you have to do is look around and you can see many good marriages. So what makes a good marriage is that constant looking at the other. It's saying, you know, what can I do for the other to bring uh, happiness and joy to them? And if we constantly have our eyes on the other and instead of on ourselves, you will find that there will be this great, you know, peace and this great joy. And of course there'll be bad days, of course there'll be days when you're selfish and, and you're not well and you just can't be bothered and so forth. But the next day you pick yourself up and you, you try again, mm. you know, and with prayer and, and God and the Catholic Church, you know, and its teachings by his side, it is possible. And that's what I found. I came from a divorced um, marriage. My parents broke up. I saw a lot of ugliness. I saw a lot of selfishness. And it's something that is, is in me and it's something that I have to constantly pray about because I fall into it, you know, continually, just ask my husband. But I stand up each day and I try again because I know the days when I am doing it right, there's this enormous joy and there's this enormous peace yeah. Mark and I, you know, and, it, and it's uh, a joy not only for us but for our children and for the people around us. So, you know, it is the right path. It's possible. Well, Danielle, thank you for offering us that. That lead, it is possible, listeners. It Rest is. assured. Just keep jumping into that dating pool and just keep your eyes out and just be on the hunt. Now, uh, that is it for today's discussion of <laughs> marriage uh, and, more importantly, masculinity. What is masculinity and what, what makes a man? But the conversation continues on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash conversation cv this is a call out to our listeners we want your topics as we head into 2015 do send them through um, comment on the facebook page and also uh keep an eye out on our website uh which is uh the uh conversations with catholic voices tab of the cradio website for more information about how to submit uh, your questions join us on facebook and have your say thank you danielle thanks daniel god bless you all and I'm Daniel Noor. Thank you for joining us. Radio.org.au